Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the next episode of my, by now hopefully famous, Save Bed show. And I'm absolutely delighted to have Tammy Barlow, Director of Social Responsibility at the Rush Street Interactive, as my guest today. Tammy, thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's I feel like honored, like I made it into like the Hall of Fame now. So <laughs> thank you for having me. Now, as I've said, we're truly honored to, to have you. And if this helps your ticket to inevitably <laughs> join in the Gambling Hall of Fame, then I would be <laughs> only too happy about that. For the unlucky few amongst you who may not have come across Tammy or who may not know her, as I've just said, her current role is with Rush Street Interactive. Prior to that, she'd spent uh, a decade in the industry with the likes of William Hale, Caesars, at one point, pretty much the same business, IGT, and also the North Star, North Star Lottery. But before we start talking about uh, the gambling industry, Tammy, if I may, you also happen to have spent 13 years, so over a decade, of your career or your previous life, if you will, in the health and human services sector. And only then you drifted to the dark side and decided <laughs> to join the gambling industry. But then on a serious note, what lessons during those 13 years and the subsequent decade did you draw from your time with the health and human services that you could use, that you could juxtapose on your subsequent career in gambling? Yeah, so, um, you know, I did work for a, an organization in Chicago, um, which I credit a lot of just my work ethic, everything to, but basically, um, you know, we provided services, everything from substance abuse, HIV, AIDS, and problem gambling was also one of the services. And at the time, um, you know, my job was just to, you know, help promote the programs. And so, I had known, you know, the importance of it, and I had actually seen um, people, but I didn't have any way of putting, you know, I, I didn't know what it would mean later to be able to understand that. Um, so I did a lot of uh, great things, um, both locally and internationally, um, when it came to providing, you know, services to communities in need. Um, and then, you know, I had always had a, a want to do something on the corporate side. I always wanted to do something good and continue to help people, but not sort of be a part of the volatility of nonprofit when it comes to like, you know, uh, budgets get cut all the time, you know, which could lead to, you know, you losing your job, things like that. So I... Uh, found out about uh, this opportunity um, for corporate social responsibility and responsible gaming. Um, and it was through GTEC at the time. Um, this is before uh, GTEC acquired IGT. And uh, they became the first private manager of a lottery, which was the Illinois Lottery. And the Illinois Lottery has an amazing uh, commitment to, you know, uh, player protection, to uh, corporate social responsibility. And so though we were the private manager, we got a chance to work a lot with um, side by side the lottery um, and really be able to do a lot of grassroots things. In addition, I was able to uh, started working on our 
um, World Lottery Association accreditation for the lottery. That was one of the things that they wanted to do is to be known as a responsible, you know, uh, operator of lottery services. And so I really just um, felt, found then that, you know, I had a love of research. I had a love of understanding things. And so I was able to really dig into the whole WLA process and met some wonderful people. And I think, you know, it was just, you know, project management, a passion um, for wanting to help people, um, always wanting to um, do something impactful, um, helped me better fit and segue into the gaming industry. Um, and I think it was the people I met along the way also um, that uh, just kind of helped me know that this was this was a great place for me to have pivoted to and, and I've been there ever since. And the gambling industry is doubtless better for your having joined. So thanks for joining joining the ranks. I wouldn't want to go off tangent too much, but I usually kick off these podcasts by trying, first of all, to relate to, to my guest. And I've got to say that having recently toured the country with uh, none less than Charles Oakley, whereby we fed the hungry and catered to their other needs, it was indeed both tough, but at the same time, very gratifying and most importantly, mm -hmm. it was very, very real. The other question, yeah. and just a brief answer, if you if you don't mind, because I'm still a newcomer to the great country United States, I'm still trying to get my head around the U.S. health system. You've been with the health services, so what mm -hmm. on earth is going on there? And because for <laughs> a European who's largely used to having the likes of the U.K. NHS, or where I'm originally from, I'm not saying that the healthcare would be would be for free, but uh, the bills are not sky high. So yeah. your instant take on where the US would need to take its private medical cover, if you don't mind. Well, I do agree that there, and, and I, I feel like um, I'm not really big into politics, but I will say that over the last few administrations, um, you know, Obamacare, you know, work the Clintons, things like that, I feel like there was more of a uh, push for you know, um, more affordable healthcare. I think that's what is really needed here. And I think when it comes to, you know, substance abuse, problem gambling, you know, um, mental illness, I think those types of things, um, I, I would like to see services be free, but then, you know, the budgets have to be there, you know, that the states have to allocate. And, you know, it just becomes something that is much bigger than me. But um, yes, I would say that there is a different, definite um, disparity, um, and but I, you know, we can only just keep hoping that you know um, affordable health care for all becomes more and more of a of an everyday thing. Indeed, fingers crossed. And although <laughs> it may appear I've just gone massively off tangent, I asked the. Uh, the question for a reason, because the message I believe that we would agree on conveying is that responsible gambling, and now we're moving to the meat of the debate, if I may go there, it's not sitting in a silo, it's part, arguably a part of uh, the wider mental health related debate. But perhaps the place to start would be to ask you, what is sort of your take on the current state of the USRG union? Now, what have mm. we what have we done well as an industry but what still requires approving and you've 
you've seen it from arguably both sides have been worked with William Hell, so that's the European experience, but at the same time it's been transposed to the US context. So where mm -hmm. do you think we are and where do you think where we're headed and where we need to be headed in your view? Yeah, um, and you know, I think one of the, the, the best things that I can say is that when I first started working um, in the industry, um, you know, it was it was just the lottery industry was getting into the space of, you know, becoming more responsible with the World Lottery Association, things like that. And and it used to be thought like, oh, how will the, the casino, you know, industry react and how will these industries? But what I can say is, I mean, all of the responsible gaming practitioners that I've met, you know, um, whether it's through a competitor or operator or whatever, I mean, I think that the, or the, the, the industry is moving in a really, really um, great way. I think that people are very, very cognizant of consumer protection. I think that um, there is almost a, um, a an unspoken, acknowledgement that it's all of our responsibility to protect consumers, especially with all of the type of gaming that is available now. So I have seen, you know, um, lots of great organizations, you know, come, um, you know, there's obviously the National Council, there's the American Gaming Association, there's Kindbridge. I mean, there are some really, really, really um, dedicated people. And I think this is the one space where everyone just wants to continue to do better. I think that where we're at right now, though, is at a crossroads with we need to change some of those laws that were or regulations, um, mandates that were maybe put together in the, like, the 90s and the early 2000s and things like that, um, because there's certain things that are just um, that just need to be refreshed, especially when you think about, you know, the online space. And so things like self-exclusion, you know, um, there needs to be. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of different states are looking to work together. There, there's a lot of conversation about more access for, you know, for it to follow people. Um, I think that the the there's just a lot of room, um, you know, for the, the different player protections, you know, to be looked at. You know, I just think that um, there's a lot of with the new types of ways that people um, can can have fun um, on different platforms, I just think that there's a lot more work that needs to be done. And I and I think the other thing that I'm really hoping um, is something that comes to the fold is you know I either one or two unified numbers where people can get help. You know I think right now um, in the U.S. you know um, we've we've learned a lot of lessons from the U.K. We've learned a lot of lessons, and then. Then there's there's um, jurisdictions like Canada that teaches us you know totally different things and so there's some really good best practices, but I think in the U.S. like we have to there needs to be like a modification somehow of you know the the some of the the mandates um, so that they really benefit who they were created for the people and it's not that people are not you know, to, to making the change, I think it's just hard to make the changes because of all that you have to go through to do so in, in each jurisdiction. I can't agree more. Indeed, the objective of this podcast is not to be controversial. Perhaps uh, with other guests, I would go 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 that way, but uh, I would absolutely endorse what what you have what you have just said. Indeed, having a unified nationwide 
helpline number would be extremely beneficial both for the industry but i would suggest even more in even more importantly for for the consumers and also from mm-hmm. from what i'm hearing there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of explaining what these helplines are designed for because some folks out there they might still believe that when they see that number already all those 15 coming on to 20 numbers on the screen that's the number to dial if uh, they happen to have locked themselves out of their account or they need mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. The, the the late the latest best bonus that may be that may be on offer and i suppose all this sits in the context to pick up on your point about the new channels that the industri- this industry has started using for its offering. I believe that it all points towards the use of technology for responsible gambling purposes. So what would be your take on that? You know, technology and human touch at the same time? Or how would you structure that? Because ultimately we're still talking about human beings at both sides of the screen, the customer and the likes of you who are doing their very best to help those customers not to go down the slippery slope of gambling addiction. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely believe they both go hand in hand. I do think that you do need research um, and, and things to help you understand player behavior. I think there are algorithms, I think there are markers of harm that are universal that you just should know. But then there's also that personal touch of, you know, when your customer service agents or you're, you know, in fear in a casino and the people that are on the floor, you know those customers. And even if you don't, you you can tell. So there's always gonna have to be that human side of it. I would I would not ever, you know, think that just a fully automated, you know, okay, this person has this and that now they're labeled. I think there always has to be a, a human element. And I think that, of, of again, of all of, of my counterparts at the different, you know, um, companies, their people that are heading these programs are passionate so that they want to see the chats. They want to see the player history. They want to understand, you know, and, and I think too, us working with our councils, you know, our local councils and getting an understanding of, you know, what services are they providing? I think it's just, we're all working together. And so there's the the research, the, the truth, you know, not the truth, but I guess, you know, the numbers and things like that, but you've always got to have that human element in order to have, you know, I think an, a great program. Absolutely, yeah. It needs to be data-driven, but as we've both suggested, it's about it's about human beings, and these mm-hmm. programs need to be designed yeah. accordingly. And having had the honor and pleasure of uh, working with, I suppose, most, if not all, our res- opposite numbers from within mm-hmm. the responsible gambling world, I can definitely also definitely endorse what you've said about them. There's a lot of there's a lot of passion and mm-hmm. hopefully we are all getting to together to rally the industry around this course. Suppose talking so. we've talked about causes, we've also talked about silos and uh, your role at Rush Street also focuses on corporate social responsibility to my mind uh, it's an absolutely natural marriage between responsible gambling and the wider csr causes 
And I suppose cynics would argue that these days rolling out CSR ESG programs is a is a no-brainer, but I reckon that we will both agree there's much more to it. So looking at it from the practical perspective, if I if I may, I suppose what is it like to try to implement CSR and responsible gambling policies? In your experience, what it has been like, what is it like these days to implement it across the whole business, where of course individual departments in an ideal world, and usually they do pull together, but there may be a, still a bit of tension from experience between responsible gambling and the pure revenue generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, um, again, I think I've been lucky in my career because whether it was GTEC, IGT, William Hill, Caesars, now Rust Street, I've never worked for anyone that didn't appreciate the, the nuance of them both. Um, I've never really had to argue for resources or a need. Um, so I, I think that it's been pretty easy for me to say, okay, if you're going to look at a holistic program of, you know, um, player protection, you know, community service, diversity and inclusion, I mean, they all go hand in hand. Um, I think that, you know, some of the things where there might be maybe some friction could be in the marketing and promotions because you don't want to, there's a fine line between over-promising or um, suggestive language or, you know, is that image, you know, teetering on the, the edge of being like a childlike character. So I think there is a little bit of back and forth between, you know, creativity versus, you know, social responsibility. But again, um, you're able to get through that and understand, you know, I mean, there's a, I think there's been so much um, good effort put through such great organizations um, that you don't really have to sell people on why they should or shouldn't be doing something. I think it is proven that diverse teams are better, you know, as far as creativity and the bottom line. I think that being able to do, you know, ESG uh, things that they make sure that you have structure, you know, about what you're doing and accountability. You know, I think that, you know, the whole thing with social, so corporate social responsibility is that you have a responsibility to your consumers, your, com your community, and, and really to, who are you as a company, your values. Um, so like I said, I have been very lucky. Maybe the only areas I could see are maybe like the advertising and promotions area. Um, but I can just go get the AGA thing and slap it down. This is why, <laughs> this is why we cannot do that, <laughs> you know, or, you know, we, this is where you also turn to some of like the UK things or wherever. So I don't know. I think everybody, I don't want to seem like the glass is always half full, but I just think with CSR, it kind of is. And it's absolutely fantastic to have a, as a positive person as you are on, <laughs> on our show because it pumps even more energy into it. So thanks again for, for mm -hmm. coming on. And we will ultimately get on to talking about diversity because that, needless to say, is an extremely important topic. But if I, for a split second, may stick to the debate around advertising because mm. 
on the one hand, there is an absolute business need to attract customers to mm -hmm. the regulated channels by which we within the industry provide our our services. Indeed, on the on the other hand, we do need to go again as an industry, individual operators, but also collectively, we need to go about it in a in a responsible in a responsible fashion so in your view besides slapping that AGA document and perhaps the UK <laughs> and other practical experience into the faces of the marketing team and I hereby apologize to any marketer that may be perhaps by happenstance listening to this podcast do you think that those responsible gambling, passionate responsible gambling advocates, so our group, our little family, if I may call it mm -hmm. that way, do you think there's, there's anything else we, we could do to try to blend the two interests that I agree, they're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive, you know, good, at, good responsible advertising should attract customers but mm -hmm. is there anything we would need to do shall we be for example thinking inspired by the uk perhaps should we be thinking about industry-wide responsible gambling messages not mm -hmm. just to have a two-second screen at the end of every advert i think you're definitely going to start to see that and i specifically what i really appreciate about in ontario um you know what they're doing is you they want to actually see like dedicated responsible gaming like advertising i think it's about balance you know i think it's you know if you're we understand that when you go into a new market you're going to have to do a lot of you know push push but i feel that what the what the practitioners are saying is it's not that you can't do it but we want to see more than com commercials about setting limits or that it's cool to, you know, take a break. You know, we need to start also publicizing and making, a, you know, safety measures just as prominent, right? So, you know, whether that's, you know, you say every quarter, if we have this many advertisements on this or, or promotions on this, maybe you have this many you know, ads on that. Maybe there are places where if there's a bunch of um, operators all in one area that are all, you know, supposed to do their own advertising, maybe they they can all come together. I think that these are, again, the one thing I want to emphasize is like, unlike maybe other areas um, in, in gaming, this is the one spot that we don't, we don't really compete. And so I think if there is a way that we could all do a unified message, have a unified number and speak one language that the industry feels this way. I love what um, like the AGA has done like with their have a game plan and they've gotten like the different sports teams and operators to sign on. Like it's things like that, that um, I think you're just gonna start to see more and more because you have to have balance, regulate yourself before you get regulated regulate yourself before you get regulated. So I think if we can naturally find a way to balance that out, I think we'll be much better off in it as an industry. Let's hope this is the music of not too uh, distant future. Mm -hmm. Indeed, what the organizations out there have already started doing needs to be, needs to be appreciated. And as you've pointed out, uh, indeed, this is not an area where we're meant to be competing. It's not about who happens to have the, 
the the nicest responsible gambling policy wrapped up and and what have you it's about the efficiency and indeed efficiency in my view across the board and going back to the theme about the marketeers of course ultimately it is the role of the of this folk to be for want of better expression at each other's throat trying <laughs> to attract as many customers as possible to to a given to a given brand i'm very glad that you've also mentioned ontario and what's lately been happening mm -hmm. in canada i've been myself heavily involved in that in that process so perhaps and hopefully that is not a controversial question either because i suppose there's always been sort of a fraternal rivalry between the United States and Canada but do you think that the individual US states would be prepared to draw inspiration not only from let's say Nevada and New Jersey the leading US gambling states but also Ontario and ultimately Canada despite it being well a different different country similar but not identical mentality I think that there's I don't know again it's for me, I have to base it on the people that I know are the RG professionals right now that are out there. And I think that they would absolutely welcome, you know, any types of, um, I, I, I don't, I, yeah, I think it, I don't think there's a Canada, US, you know, riff or anything. In fact, you know, I think um, the Responsible Gaming Council, I mean, they're top, top notch, you know, you have to give respect where respect is given regardless of political, you know, again, we're in a space of helping people gain access to services and treatment that they need. If there's a better way for someone to do it, and it's proven that it's better, then why not, you know? Um, I just have not heard anything but good things from people wanting to do. I mean, I can call out like FanDuel did some great things now. They have a commercial that they've released. I mean, I have a lot of respect for my colleagues in this space. So I'm going to say it's going to be a thumbs up if there are things that can be shared that people would, would, would be happy to implement here in the U.S. Absolutely. And I'm... Very glad to hear that there's a potential room for cross-fertilization so. between Canada and the United States, and hopefully it will help in other areas as well. I suppose the final topic, and that may be a controversial one, although it shouldn't really be, that I would like to touch upon before I give Tammy a chance to convey her key messages. So my usual tricky question at the end, you know, you've got 60 seconds, show us what you've got. But before we before we go there, I would suggest, and I suppose I may be in an awkward position being a man myself, that historically, and even till the present day, the gambling industry has a reputation and is largely remains male dominated. At the same time, and for example, with arrival of Entain's own CEO, Yetta, Yetta Nigord Anderson, I believe that at least lately the wind of change has started blowing. So now you've been in the industry for a decade, and I suppose you may have a different, logically you might have a different perspective than I would have had. Do you think that that wind of change is blowing strongly? enough or where do you think all this is going are we moving away from being perceived as a male-dominated industry 
I think there's some window dressing um, that is definitely, um, I think that the intent is there. I think it is really up to the heads of companies to really make that commitment from top down to having more women on their board, having more people of color, you know, in the, in the C-suite, you know, having uh, more programs that can focus on people's, uh, you know, their their uniqueness rather than, you know, their, the reasons that they're different. Um, I think it's fairly new yet, right? So I want to see where things are in like three or four years from now. Um, I think one thing that I do appreciate um, is the jurisdictions in the U.S. who have made diversity and inclusion uh, a part of their requirements. Um, I think it's things like that um, that will move the needle because then you can't just you know, um, I, what is the phrase, put lipstick on a pig, like you have to have KPIs, you have to show year over year growth. I think those are the ways that I think we just need to see how things are going to keep going. I think that um, different different countries also have different challenges, right? So, you know, maybe in the UK, it's about, you know, pay equity, you know, or gender bias, whereas maybe in the US, it's more, you know, um, diversity of, of, you know, getting minority populations, you know, more entangled with the gaming industry. Um, So I think that it is the responsibility of every company to ensure that there is representation and a feeling belong of belonging for all of their customers um as w- and that comes through how they treat their employees um if you treat your employees with dig- dignity and respect and you and you make sure that um value they value people's differences and you train them on these things and you understand that they understand that this isn't just a check the box. I think that then trickles down to your your customer base. Um, so I think that the efforts are on their way. You know, there's been some amazing appointments, you know, av- over the past couple of years. And um, I think as a black woman, though, uh, I want to ensure that this isn't just for right now or we're just not responding because it's the thing to do. So I want to see in five years, what do those boardrooms really look like? What have those imperatives really shown? You know, what are we measuring, right? If we're just, it's not just about an observance, right? It's, it's about other things. And so that's, um, I just want to wait and see what happens, but I'm very encouraged um, by the people I've spoken to, but I, I am a black woman and I am always going to be cautious of what's real and what's not. And so I just will keep an eye on it and do what I can to do my part, you know, in my role. Um, and we'll see. And that's absolutely spot on. That's the word. It needs to be real. And in my view, there's absolutely no doubt that, uh, diversity will be critical to many things so including the future of and sustainable future of our industry so now tammy is 
your your time to shine even oh more <laughs> and most most definitely punch your ticket to the gambling hall of fame oh my so god i will give you before wrapping up i'm gonna give you 60 seconds to convey your key messages whatever they may be about any topic and we've discussed a few to the audience of the safe bet show so floor is now totally yours all right, so this is my uh, Grammys nomination or my Grammy speech. I just want to say I I respect and thank you to all of the people in the industry that are committed to responsible gaming and corporate social responsibility. We're just going to keep trudging along. For those people that are coming, you know, after after me, you know, always demand more, ask for more and and make sure that your voices are heard. This is a fantastic industry. It's built on fun and entertainment, but we just have to continue to balance things so that we are not alienating people. Um, we are not forgetting that we have um, guidelines that we must adhere to. And so let's just do this in the right way. And I think we've got amazing people that have come before me people that will come after me. And, and I just hope that we just continue to, to, to lay the groundwork. Thank you for, for raising awareness that we, the way that you do. And I'm just hoping for good things and that we all just keep up the good fight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm that certain that, with, that with, a, with a speech like this, the Grammy <laughs> will be awarded to the one and only Tom Barlow. Thank you very much again for coming onto the show. It's been a true, and let me use that word again, a real pleasure. I want it to be more controversial, but I, I want it to be more controversial, but I guess I'm just not. <laughs> we would love to have you back. So perhaps next time I'll do my best to design the questions that, so that they are much more controversial. Thank you very much again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm Martin Lechka, and this has been the latest episode of my Save Bet Show. See you next time.